Nifty Nancy, can you help me? I want to thank uh, our brother Nathan for working uh, a very necessary bit of work for us. Thanks, Nathan. Um, you've, if you've gone back to the Sunday School hallway, you see this big new copier sitting there. We've not gotten fancy in our old age. It's just that we lease copy machines, and the one that we've had, that lease is up. So that's a new one we're leasing, and uh, it, it needed a new power supply that was different than what we, uh, what we had in there. So Nathan came and labored many hours, and it's, it's done. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Nathan does a lot of stuff around that you don't, you don't really see. He comes at times when nobody's around and does them. Ken does that. Scott does that. Les, and as many of you do. Uh, I appreciate all of you for what you do for the Lord, and I bless you for it. Um, you know, while the sheets are still being passed up, you know, passed out, I was, uh, hopefully they're not being passed up. I was looking at my old Apple phone, you know, and I've already told Luke that when that leases up, I'm going to give that phone to him. He'll like it. It's, it's bigger than the one he has. It's so much easier to read scripture from. But um, I, was th I was thinking, should I get a new phone right now? And the whole business of 5G is out there. So I talked to an Apple guy, and then I was reading articles in Forbes and other places about what Apple's strategy is with 5G. And it says that what they're going to do is sell all these 11Ss and all the other things they have, and then sometime at the end of the year, they're going to come through with 5G phones to take advantage of the 5G. And so I think that Apple stock is pretty secure. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's just from me with my phone, so... <sighs> All right. God has really been emphasizing to us, with good reason, um, the business of grace and supplication and that partnership with him that then uni unites with the next in the spectrum, the spirit of wisdom. And... Um, We've, we've studied about this by God's directive. I mean, he just keeps unfolding things. And, you know, I, I, you know the, the angel of the Lord putting grace encampments around us. You know, you know, my grace is a surrounding barrier. And, you know, a lot of things like that. God's just been bringing out grace. And as we've studied this over the years, we did recognize that one of the things the enemy, first of all, in the seven spirits, he wants to ignore the spirit of glory and of God because he wants that position. You just drive around, the, you just drive around our city, and you see in front, uh, hanging from a lot of Methodist churches, the six-colored. The only the rainbow is seven colors, but you know you'll see a six-colored because the enemy does not want the spirit of glory and of God. But the other thing is, is that the Bible talks about how the enemy, through unrest or bitterness or measures of being overwhelmed by your circumstance where you just become a soured individual. He wants to eliminate grace and wisdom. He wants to go straight from judgment to wormwood. And that we've studied about in the past. So there's something about grace and wisdom that the enemy detests. Number one, he wants to be like God. 
but he also detests that capacity of grace and wisdom. So he wants bitterness, and he wants um, his own perspective, prince of the power of the air, to become the narrative, your truth as it is. You know, whatever you believe, that's truth for you. Well, I'm sorry, that didn't work well when I was in math class growing up. You know, teacher, my truth is 2 plus 2 is 6. Okay, you get an A. No, it's not. There's some cardinal things that are just the way it is, and you can't vary them. So um, I, I know that the reason the enemy doesn't like grace and wisdom is because that's where we really make our dedication to partner with God. That's where we offer ourselves to God who makes himself vulnerable to us to partner in supplication. And then through that, on the basis of that, they're not standalones, but on the basis of that, he opens up wisdom, which uh, through its development and reception, helps us to take the light efficiently into the places that God has earmarked. And so, and the reason the enemy hates that is that, number one, he has always despised God's plan for you. Jesus said that the enemy is a man killer from the beginning. He and arguably, that's through his iniquity, the enemy's iniquity, that's what motivated his rebellion because he was so prideful that he couldn't tolerate the fact that God was creating someone, you, in him, his image, so that you could partner with him and be a joint heir. The enemy didn't like that. So grace is something he despises anyway. Now, he hates grace and supplication because that's God's pathway for us to partner. And through that, we are going through the power of the cross to histemi points around the world at God's choosing. And as that happens, the light comes and the enemy's kingdom is, is decimated. It, it, is, it is absolutely diminished. And one of the things that we deduce from our study of the end time is that at some point the enemy is going to recognize his time is short and he's going to come with great ferocity. And how is he going to know his time is short? Well, he doesn't have access to the clock of God any more than Jesus does. Jesus said the Son of Man doesn't know. It's only the Father. So the way the enemy is going to know his time is short is his kingdom is going to dwindle. It's going to dwindle. It's going to dwindle. And he's going to recognize what I have stood against all these millennia is, is now overcoming, and I better pull out this blitzkrieg, I better pull out this bulge attack. And that's, you know, that's how Hitler knew his time was short, uh, because he could see that he was just being repulsed on every place, and he started giving commands, destroy Paris, destroy this place, destroy this place. And, um, you know, that's just the, the despot kind of a mentality. So we cherish grace and supplication, and we cherish the privilege off of that firm foundation to move forward in wisdom. So with that being said, um, I, I was praying yesterday as I was transitioning out of that study on grace, and you know, it's always difficult, those of you who have authored things, after you think you've finished something, then four or five things come to your mind. You think, oh, hey, you know, i got to go back and check. And so I'm tr it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to transition out. 
and then to start into something new. But immediately when I begin to consider wisdom, and a number of you have taught in the past month about different facets of wisdom, the Spirit strongly pressed upon me to, to with the view of uh, the three developmental impartations of wisdom in the Scripture. So you have the spirit of wisdom and knowledge, you have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And those three are, are each very distinct. They're all one. So what we've said about it in the past is fine because it, it really does give us insight and it teaches us and instructs us. But they each individually have a very significant definition to them, an application, and they really all work hand in hand. They really all are kind of like a, a promise, a seal, and a fulfillment. They really are all like uh, the uh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It is a, it is a threefold progression. And it, they really do affect our body, our soul, and our spirit. And um, I, uh, I felt like the Lord said we needed to just briefly address these. They'll probably be expanded things that are going to be coming about it. But if we really want to move in the spirit of wisdom, and we are, uh, we need to recognize the dimensions of this and how they apply in our life. So let's look at the first developmental impartation, and that's wisdom and knowledge. And it comes from this Hebrew word, mada, and um, it, that has the derivative data, which we'll look at in a little bit a little while in another scripture, but this means to be intimately familiar with somebody, to display cunning based upon your gleaning of the underlying framework that you are privy to. Um, it's also used for kinsmen where you just know somebody and you know how somebody is. And in a negative sense, it's used to describe a, either a wizard or someone with a familiar spirit. Now, why is that? Because a familiar spirit in the Old Testament is nothing more than a demon that uh, we see it today. We see familiar spirits advertised. Um, how, you know, old Uncle Charlie, you know, we want to call up old Uncle Charlie because we want to know where he hid his his uh, 1903 rare gold coin. So here's this spirit imitating old Uncle Charlie. And it's a familiar. But, and the reason it's called familiar is it's a twist off this holy word. And what that means for us is that when we're moving in wisdom with God, we, we begin to know him. We, be, we begin to understand him. You know, it, why is it a kinsman? Because you kind of know, you, you see people just on surface, even though you may know them for years, but somebody who has grown up with them and lives in, their, in the house with them, they know a lot of things about that person and why they, some things, you'll never know why people do. But some people, you know, you think, well, this is why they do this. And there's a familiarity. And so when wisdom, and leave Ken alone, when, when wisdom happens, that's a word from the pulpit, Ken. You need to latch on to that one. <laughs> but, 
but wisdom and, and knowledge really means that God is drawing you to himself that you might know him and that through knowing him, you might know yourself. You know more about what he made you to be. And it, there's a familiarity that is holy. And because then you know what God has revealed, you trust him. Because you know how he's revealed himself, you can understand some of the things that he does only because you know him. You, you've spent time with him and you, you begin to feel the things he feels as he, as he, um, as he directs. One time I was teaching this in, in uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and uh, this uh, man came up and said, I really, I'd, I'd ask you about something. How can you say you can feel what God feels? And I'm thinking, what are you asking that for? And so I had this long conversation with him, and he walked away ever more convinced of the fact that you really couldn't know what God feels. But God will, God will, God will allow you to be touched by what he what he what's what matters to him the way he feels and when you when you feel that then that helps you to understand God it helps you understand the scripture in the way that he revealed himself and it really God's not going to give wisdom to somebody who's just going to go out and do willy-nilly whatever they want with it he wants somebody that's going to reflect him he wants somebody that's going to be sure that you do what this person needs. You know, some of you have known me for so long, and sometimes we're together and we're doing things, and, and you'll say, well, I, I've done this because I know this is what you really like. Well, how's that happen? Because we've spent time together, and you, it's not because I sent a list out, okay, you're going you're gonna to have to do this, you're going to have to do this. It's just you know that. And that's the essence of this first word, wisdom and knowledge. In Second Chronicles 1.10, it's used a lot. You know, Les used one of the verses that I think touched and used that this morning. That was a good verse. A lot of good verses that talk about this. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you've not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but you've asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, even whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. Now, we often say, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom, and he did. He did. Solomon asked for this. But I, I, I reflect that the thing that really touched the heart of God was that Solomon asked for this wonderful knowledge. He asked for that kind of fellowship with God. Now, what happened later in his life, who can say? We can extrapolate and try to determine how he became what he did, what he didn't do, the terrible things he did, the good things he did. That's not our discussion today. But at the very beginning of this, he asked for wisdom and for this measure of 
being able to know God, to know God. That's interesting because David, David had a heart that went hard after God. And David would minister in this, this unique way with God, and God loved him for that. Solomon here at the at the the very relatively the beginning of his ministry as king, he said, God, I want to be able to know you, and I want to be intimate with you, and I want to know your your feeling, and I want you to know me, and I want wisdom. So it was true that he asked for wisdom, but the first thing he asked for was this madah. And that's in conjunction with wisdom. And I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. And you know, really, when we emerge from grace and supplication as partners with God, this is really the setting that's been being developed. Because you've made yourself, God's, God's made himself vulnerable to you. You've made yourself vulnerable to God. You're praying in, in supplication. You're feeling the burden of the Lord. You've committed yourself to giving birth, to, to bringing a new horizon. You have, you have yielded yourself to God, and that's the perfect setting for wisdom. And, I, you know, I've gone back and forth about whether tepila and whether prosuke are really indications of wisdom because they really are what wisdom brings. But the point is, it's kind of like, it's kind of like separating <laughs> two things that are intertwined. I mean, grace and wisdom flow together. But um, we, uh, we, we, first of all, know God in grace. And then he begins to materialize that. And um, he, he, he leads us then into the next stage, really, of wisdom and understanding. Now, this is Tabuna, which is from Bin, it, it is something that is received and comes as an answer for the lifting up of the voice. To dwell in between, signifying growth and development, either to be taught or to teach and disciple. So this is you taking those feelings, those sensings, those, those knowings between you and God, and you actually then becoming processing and learning and becoming a disciple. It's the sila moment of, of refining who you are and processing that into um, your soul and, and your body. And again, um, how, how you live, you submit yourself to what God wants. And we've learned this. We, we've tried over the years to glean from God, from his scripture, and then to apply that and make that their, our mode of behavior to where we become like him, to where we're just not feeling, you know, and oh, I, did you feel God? Oh, yes, he's so wonderful. I, I don't mean to mock that, but in a way I do because some people only want that. But God is always going to take you from that place and make you into something. He's going to make disciples. He's not just birthing babies so he has nurseries all over the place. We're to go and make disciples, not just to cause them to be born and then leave them. We make disciples, and we, we reproduce ourselves. And that's what this real understanding is. Now, if you extrapolate from that, 
Um, you know, and, and it vacillates back and forth. You know, when you start talking about people who are specialists in Hebrew or Greek, even whatever language it is, you know, if you start talking about people who study French, you know, it's almost like they worship that. And, you know, they'll argue. They'll argue things. And so there are some people who believe, like I do, that this is very, very similar to the word ben, which is son, and that, that measure of walking in sonship. Then others say, oh, no, you can't, you can't say that. It's not that way. And so, you know, I'm not going to argue that, but the point of this is that you're really, like you would teach your son or your daughter, this is how you do this. This is what you do. And that's what understanding really is. Um, look at 1 Kings 4 and 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness, largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. The heart really is the, process, the place where whatever's been processed is then materialized. It's like the steering wheel of who we are. And whatever, however you deal with your spirit and your soul, that understanding is going to dictate what your heart believes. And then that's going to dictate where you go and what you become. Jesus said, with the heart man believes and confession is made unto salvation. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So Solomon not only was given this great wisdom, and he was given understanding and knowledge, but he was given a bastion, a heart that was larger so that he could process these things. And some of the writings of Solomon, when he, when he speaks about wisdom, and I gave my heart to wisdom and understanding, and he, he was really saying, man, this is, this is heavy stuff. I, it's just, you know, he says some really hard things about it. And, uh, but, but the point is, is that we can let our heart continue to be renewed, but God gave him these things. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. There we've got Mada, which in Dada put together. The knowledge of the holy then produces this type of discipleship. This produces, when you're, when you're knowing God and He's training you to do things, then this next word of your development, you're becoming more of a son, happens. But it comes in that progression. You see that? So this is the path God's had us on. And, you know, you look at it, and you can look back, and you can say, yeah, we, we first started, and God was saying, I want to know you. You know, I'm your father. And spend time with me. And then as we spent time, he began to teach us, and he began to show us things. As we prayed in diversities of tongues, God began to reveal more things. And in the doing, we learned. But we didn't just know God even that's precious, that's essential, and, and allow him to know us, but then he began to develop us and teach us. And that's the discipline that we hopefully became that we, we then sow into other places. And, you know, it's hard when you go, like if you go into a, a new place, a nation, or a new open door that God has given, you want to teach them things that they need. They're hungry, but it's, it's a whole lot easier to teach them the second stuff, the second dimension, than it is to impart the first. You know, it, that's why I, I always say, you know, when you go to minister, you need to have some fuelers there. 
and, and hopefully with the indigenous people. And what I mean by fuelers are people who just get down and burrow themselves into the carpet and pray as a pattern because that's hard. You can't teach that. You can teach about it, but you can't make that happen. And so you want to you want to go in there. You've got three or four days and you've got to release the word that God's given that they're hungry for because we're all about the word. But we recognize that just being a disciple and being taught things with this walk ain't going to do it. They need to have that burden of the Lord. And some people that are more predicated toward that, they can come in and see mature saints and they're upset because nobody's bobbing and weaving and there's no manifestation and nobody's hollering out. But, you know, at some point, that, you know, that goes into a developed relationship and we do shout. We do cry unto the Lord. We do have manifestations. But you've, you've, got, to, you've got to move into the development, de development of this. And see, that's the challenge we have. It's a good challenge. But in this progression, wisdom and knowledge really sets the stage for wisdom and understanding. Now, here's another thing. you got people that got skill and understanding. You know, Hiram's guys who would plain those cedars of Lebanon and you know others that were able to to move as craftsmen to make those make those uh, artistic dimensions of the the articles of the temple the the, the various priestly robes um, you know, said one of the funny scriptures were um, the women uh, got moved upon by by uh, skill and they they had a heart to do this. There's just so many funny things. So what is that? It's like an impartation of this. And, you know, sometimes when God's spirit is moving in this way, there is, a, there is an extension where you can release some kind of an assignment to people, and that same, that same type of capacity comes upon them to serve in a certain way in combination with this. So that's where skill and understanding comes from. I'm not leaving it out, but it's it's really, you know, these guys, for instance, that Hiram had over in Tyre, uh, they were skilled, they were lumberjacks, and that's okay. You know, they, they were able to do that work, but for what they needed in the temple and what they needed to to serve the Lord, he released to those already skilled people and unction to do something that was different from what they'd done. And I don't know what all that was, but obviously the Lord gave it to them. It makes no sense to say to a plumber, hey, I'm going to give you skill in plumbing. They already know how to do that. They already know how to do that. But, you know, if you, if you need some meticulous thing that's going to need a measure of, 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 of wisdom and as some specialized thing, God can give to those guys who know what they're doing an anointing to do that. So I, I, I digressed off of that. But some of you might wonder about that, and that's what happens. And we need to use that in the days to come. There are some things that as God is working specifically in this business of training, we need, we need an anointing of skill to, to accomplish some of the things we need to do. Something that's out of the box but in the hand of God for some of the things we need to do because it just doesn't exist. And that's where uh, witty inventions come from, you know, the Scripture speaks about.
So let's look at this third dimension of wisdom, and it comes into the New Testament, wisdom and revelation. Um, this is apocalypsis, which, as we've studied, means taking off the lid or uncovering. Um, this is the overall mystery of God to be progressively revealed through the mysterion. Now, we're praying in diversities of tongues. We're praying in unknown tongues. Our spirit is praying. And um, we, are, we are praying those specific steps of the mysterion of the overall apocalypsis. And um, I think we need to take a breath. Because I'm talking some very deep things, and I speak the wisdom of the Spirit into your mind and into your spirit, because these are all things we've taught about. These are all things we've learned. And so um, I don't want to have to dumb it down. This is a, a bit, bit of meat here. Um, you know, to take the lid off something, and we talk about that being the overall plan of God, God just doesn't spill out everything he's going to do. But he gives like that little space of grace. He gives to us, like for instance, he gives to us this saintly mission. He took the lid off of that. And from that, we're moving out of. It's not the totality of the plan of God, but it's our portion. It's our, it's our scroll. It's our orb. It's something that he has divested to us and the lid is taking off and the angels want to look into that crypto because they're mystified by what God's doing and so our prayer that our spirit is praying is is mobilizing it's just like taking ladles out of that the musterion each bit each piece and the next one that goes in it's the same but it's more and it's different and so we keep praying that but wisdom and apocalypsis is, is this. So you think about it. And this is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. The old covenant gave us types. And they're wonderful types. To where you know God. And you become, begin to be trained by Him. As you go forth in wisdom. And then when Jesus came. And grace and truth was made available to everybody. And the old law was gone. And the holy of holies really was, was open for everyone who, who believes in him, you get this dimension uh, of the timetable of the Lord, which is wisdom and apocalypsis. And so this is what those first two really train us for in the new covenant. And this is what God's been really training us for to apply in these end times. Now, I love what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, especially here in chapter 1, uh, verse 16 through 19. I cease not to give thanks for you. He had just said, since he knew that they were dedicated to the work of saints, and he's applauding them for that. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you and my prosuchomai, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and apocalypsis in the knowledge of him. Now think about that. What is glory. Glory is God releasing something he wants to do, and his glory is on that, and he releases it to a representative or to a representative people, and his glory surrounds them. And it's indicative by the burning fire of God, the fire of judgment of burning, that says, this is what I want to do, and I want it to function. 
That's what glory is. So the father of that is releasing wisdom and the apocalypsis to us in the knowledge of him. <laughs> See, that's just great. That's, that's just in keeping with what he trained us for in the Old Testament. And then, so to me, um, I put grace in there. The two underlined words, I put them in there. The eyes of your understanding being enlightening that, that you may know what is the elpis of his calling. So that you, your eyes might be open, that you might have the knowledge of him, that you might have the spirit of Elohim put a burden, a seed of faith in you. And that, that's your calling. To me, that sounds a lot like grace, where you are, you're with God. You're communing with him in his heart. And he's putting something in you that is a seed. It's something that is going to begin to grow and materialize. And um, it's, it's, it's going to be your calling. Your, your calling is realized as you partner with him in that knowledge. And then I say wisdom, perhaps, is this next thing. What, is the, what are the riches of that glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding, and that's hyperbolo, to throw beyond? God going beyond where you are. That's what wisdom does. Um, the greatness, that, that's the omegas derivative of his power, dunamis, to us who believe, according to the working. Uh, and that is this, this measure of energy, which is more what we do. It's not one of the five powers, but it's what we do. Of his mighty Iscarus power, Kratos. There are all the powers. Um, and uh, I, uh, with the exception of, of one, And that's because that's embodied by what's said in the early part of this verse. Actually, that's exousia. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that this is God showing his strength, the full dynamic of his strength from the throne, for the continents, with authority, through the dunamis. And, and then you have this megas where it's going to spread. It's going to spread in wisdom. And Paul says, this is, um, this is the, the Father of glory giving us wisdom and revelation. So, these three impartations of wisdom is what, we're, what we are charged with in this year. We're looking forward to what this is going to do, throwing beyond what we've known. But it's the dimensions of all of his power. And... Um, that missing thing is us as sons coming before God and making ourselves willing because the powers of God cannot function unless we're doing that. And I, 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 this E there is exousia, I'm sorry. But, well, never mind. I'm, I'm kind of in the fog up here now. I'm sorry. I think maybe I should stop. <laughs> The Spirit is just really empowering His Word. So I release to all of us these three impartations of the Spirit of wisdom and that we would know God, that we would learn of Him and become 
in his image and that we would partner with him in that dimension of whatever his wisdom is wanting to do here in the end time. I release that to this congregation. I release that to the saints. I release it into my life. I release it to all of us that we might grow and develop in you, Father. And um, we so thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you that in spite of ourselves, you just keep moving us along in this pathway. None of us are able to do this unless you, our Father, were leading us as you would lead your children. We thank you for that. I pray, Father, that if anyone has missed, missed their place in you, you are long-suffering. You're, you're faithful. You reach your hand out to us. I ask you, Father, that in this house, as we continue through this day, that and those also, who also want to partner wherever they are this evening, as we come into the heavens tonight with you, let us be found pleasing in your sight. Let us be sensitive to you and let us move in the ways that you've ordained. I, I sense the excitement of the very depth of who you are, what you want to do, and what you're doing now in this season, and what's coming, the joy that is set before us. Help us, Lord, to drink deeply of that. And let our mind, let our, let our heart, let our emotions, let our bodies submit themselves to the will of your Spirit. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ lead us into this new place that you've opened for us and prepared for us. I thank you for it, Father. And I pray, Father, that you'll touch your people now. I mentioned at the beginning of this time that you, you take care of your children. You said if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you would add everything we need. There are people here today with some very real needs. They're not imagined. They're just there. I ask that you'll release the efficacy of your power, that they would overcome, be supplied, and thrive. Whether this is a physical difficulty, Lord, let your light shine upon us and through us. Set us all free. I pray, Father, for those who have had difficulty with certain parts of their body and they've struggled with it yet without complaint. I pray, Father, that the rejuvenation of your spirit would come upon them and in these hours to come that they would know in their body that, God, you are doing something mighty. Restore them to full function. Open the doors for those who need financial miracles. Open the doors for those who need new jobs. Open the doors for those, Father, that need direction in their life. Open the doors and bring clarity back where perhaps this world and this life has congested things and made what is really important a blur. Oh, God, help us. We love you. This is your work. And we ask this on the basis of that work because you love us, but because you're partnering with us, and better said, we're partnering with you. 
We love you, Father. I speak great financial provision and favor and the opening of doors for your people. Lord, I ask for the wellsprings of supply to begin to flow forth and to be tapped for the things you've called us and asked us to do. More than enough for what we need. Lord God, this is your work. The greatest treasure, the greatest privilege is to be part of that. We love you, Father. We love you. Jesus, give us a fresh anointing to pray. Anoint us for this heightened measure of intercession at the place where you intercede in heaven. We love you, Father. I could just go on and on. But let this continue throughout this day. Thank you. Let your spirit of wisdom move through us. And uh, we thank you for it. We love you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I apologize to you all. I, I, can't, I can't explain what, what I'm feeling up here. But um, thank you for the latitude to be able to do that. Um, it's kind of humbling. But um, we need him. Amen? Amen. So, God bless you all. We'll see you in a little while. And um, thank you all for tuning in, too. Um, God bless you. Amen.